So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored as always by Alltag, and thanks to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge, and Intrepid. Now, my guest this week, many of you will recognize it's Iona Blake. Now, Iona is the security and incident manager for Boots, looking after everything security related from strategy, policy, operations, technology, incident response, enforcement, external lobbying, even the biscuits in the canteen on behalf of her team members, stores, pharmacy, supply chain support offices. Background in incident and risk management, been at Boots for 15 years. I think seven or eight of those leading and developing the security agenda. Iona, welcome. Always a pleasure. Hi, Paul. Thank you for having me back. Is there anything in Boots that does not cross your desk? That, I mean, that really is the question. Um, after some of the meetings I've had today, probably not, actually. And the ones that we don't get to see, we probably ought to. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, it's very busy. It's exciting time, no? Very busy. Cool. So on the basis that there might be one or two people in the world that don't know who you are and don't know Boots, let's just start with the who, what and where bit. So Iona Blake at Boots. Give me a little thread through to how you arrived, where you are today. And then is there anybody that doesn't know Boots? I don't know. Talk to me about how you describe the business as well. Yeah, I fell in love with retail more than 30 years ago, uh, working in Topman, um, having the time of my life as a study kid whilst at college um, and kind of find myself still in retail now. I've done a number of kind of different types of roles, um, but for me, it's always been about a customer. Um, and that's why I do what I do today. If I get it right for team members on the shop floor, they can then get it right for customer. But it's been a boot now. Um, you're right, 15 years this year, um, which doesn't feel like 15 years. Um, so I started off in looking after extreme response in customer care and all things social media related and that kind of stuff. Moved into a bit of retail operations, then in property portfolio, and then fell in love with the role I've got today in security. So 2,300 stores, most of which have got a pharmacy business as well, um, lorries and sheds as well to kind of look after. So it's a busy business, um, but it's an exciting time to be part of quite an iconic brand, particularly yeah. with the work that we're doing to support the NHS at the moment. So, yeah, it's really good. And, and from the outside, it feels like, I mean, the, all these things are cyclical, but it feels like Boots is on a real up at the minute it's kind of doing some good stuff in the community you know in the whole sort of you know lockdown it, it was there and it was doing stuff so does it feel like that on the inside as well it definitely does um all the conversations around care and community um be it from your, your most commercial product it's still about the, the care side of it and what we can do to make it a better place for our community um, and at the company's retail, uh, recent Best of the Best Awards, my own local pharmacist had won the oh, regional wow. pharmacist, which was really exciting for me. So I know the phenomenal work that she does to look after my own family's health needs, because that's actually the first place that we go to now. And certainly you ring 111, um, the first place they'll divert you to will always pretty much now be a pharmacy. So it's quite a fundamental role, particularly when the NHS have had, um, going through some of the challenges that they're going through right now. But actually, your pharmacist is probably the most accessible um, person from a healthcare perspective. And, you know, if they then can't help, they'll try and signpost you to the next. It won't be just back to 111. It will be, well, this is the conversation that you need to have with this type of healthcare professional. So, yeah, it's um, it, it's quite an iconic thing, really. And when you kind of think about it, did, 
doesn't matter where you go, there's always a bit really close by. Um, and you can always get the really important things that uh, you might need at that moment in time. Yeah, you're right. It's interesting. As it gets harder and harder within the UK to uh, to see a doctor, um, I get the feeling that, and we've done it and other people have have gone to their pharmacy and maybe been reminded about the level of knowledge and the opening hours is the key thing as well, isn't it? And and the service that, that can be provided. And like you say, there is almost a boots on every on every street corner or high street ready to uh, to step in. So, so never get caught selling boots. It always feels like it's a service, but of course it's a commercial business, but it yeah. manages to, to strike that balance of, you know, an arm out in the community uh, and turning a profit as well. So yeah, uh, hats off to everybody involved and long may it continue. Thank you. Um, now, one of the things I want to talk to you about is, you know, you're well known for being very passionate about boots as a whole and your area but you're perhaps particularly well known around violence against staff and 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 the challenges that your guys and girls face and then we'll we'll come on as well afterwards if you may onto the whole importance of diversity and inclusion within a business but let's go and do violence against staff you were one of the first voices i think that was really jumping up and down going hang on a minute we need to do something about this and you were the first to actually do some action around central you know, control center and cameras so give me an update on on what's been going on in that space because you must have been in demand for your knowledge for sure in terms of talking about what boots have been up to yeah you know and what probably the most exciting and fulfilling thing about my role currently is that the business still trusts us to keep our really proactive plan and program of protecting our people and they continue to invest. And I know that's not been the same for some other retailers. So we now have 350 stores that have got body-worn video and they are our higher-risk trading locations, not just our bigger shops, but also little shops that are in tougher locations because you know it's important to find the balance. It's not all about the big shop. Um, we've got more stores than ever connected to the CCTV monitoring centre. We've got more audio solutions and panic alarms going in. What kind of blew me away around the Christmas trading period was just how many stores now are engaging in the panic alarm system that we've got. And that, and it wasn't being driven by the violence in stores. Sometimes, you know, there were some quite aggressive customers. Customers actually over Christmas, some of them were shocked at how busy it was because they'd almost forgotten life pre-pandemic. Mm. Um, so there was some agitated and frustrated and people have been unwell over Christmas, haven't they? And everybody caught the three-week cold that never went away. So, of course, there was frustration um, within the communities. But what was interesting was how our team are now diversifying some of their panic alarm usage into um, disrupting potential shoplifters as well. So some of the solutions we've put in place are really starting to have a multi-purpose. And it's kind of really, really good to see. Um, so we've invested quite a lot in tech um, and we've got loads of kind of exciting stuff coming up around training and products um, and just how we talk about keeping ourselves safe. So, you know, Keeping Yourself Safe campaign has been live since September 2019. So we're having a bit of a refresh in some of the activity and the focus of what we're doing. So, yeah, so violence against shop workers has always been the key thing. The added lens on that is... Um, we've got to do our bit, but then what are um, our policymakers and government doing about that? So we've still kind of got a voice in around with the Home Office, so part of the National Retailers Against Crime Steering Group, which is important. 
Um, because actually, if you look at our offering of colleague type, you know, most of our colleagues in stores are um, part of the healthcare offering. And actually, a pharmacist is afforded the same protection as an emergency worker. So we've really looked to kind of leverage some of um, the legislation that's in place to keep people safe, as well as tackling the increasing rise of antisocial behaviour that I know every retailer is seeing at the moment. So that's kind of stuff we're up to. Yeah, and it certainly feels as if you've been driving the the industry as a whole in terms of that lobbying piece. So, you know, reaching out to other organisations, other retailers and brands and sort of pulling them together and saying, you know, you must have a problem as well. Yeah. Have you found, you know, the, the, the home office, the police, the you know, the government, are they receptive to the message? Do you think, think there's enough noise being created? Do you feel like, you know, we're being listened to? Um, it's still varied, you know, so it's still variable. You get some forces. So if we talk specifically about policing, first of all, some forces are brilliant. Um, some forces still not really as good as they ought to be. Um, but I think sometimes that if you look at the demand on policing um, of what they're looking at, they then become the point of, you know, I, I want to make sure that what we're asking of policing is proportionate. Um, and we're not just ringing them all the time when we've got a £10 mascara issue. When we call for you, we need you. That call for service is really quite key. So we'll in-house what we can, but then when I need your help. We've had some phenomenal responses, actually. Hampshire Police have been great. Um, some really good stuff going on um, across the UK with different police forces around the support that they're giving us. Um, but I think the important thing is, when something doesn't go right with the police forces, that conversation, that dialogue that you have with them after, they have to be about partnership it can't be about you lot you lot you lot haven't done what you need to it has to be about the partnership side but then kind of looking at the other side of things I think as a retail cohort if I look at the seven years that I've been doing this role we all work together in ways that we've probably never done before so literally just an hour ago I had a text message from um, another retailer just to go kind of get your thoughts on this and we're all so happy to kind of share what's worked and I think that's been really important because then you come together with a collective voice. So it's easier for government to hear what it is that you need from. So it's when you've got everybody with different priorities, but actually in this, we've all been, it's about our people. I guess the one thing the pandemic kind of did do was help us all talk without it being a dirty little secret around violence is an actual thing in return. Because um, I think before that, we didn't talk about it in the same way. So it's allowed us that voice, I think, Paul. Yeah, I certainly remember, you know, back to my days in in store and, you know, sort of uh, nursing bruises from, you know, physically having tins of this, that and the other thrown at you to verbal abuse. There was no, it was just shrugged off and, and that was acceptable, particularly if you were in a more challenging location. And, you know, the staff churn and, and the trauma that that caused, um, you know, a number of people was quite significant. But it, it's taken a long time to to reach this point. But I think you're right. You know, the industry going to government and police collectively opposed to in isolation feels like the tipping point. So, yeah, keep up, keep up the good work for sure. No, thank you. Now, I just want to jump back to your experience of body worn cameras. Yes. I think you're one of the first retailers to, to roll that out. Now it's sort of settled. How have you found the staff have reacted to it? What's the customer experience? been i mean you've continued to expand it so i'm guessing on the whole it's been a positive one yeah we started off with cameras on guard to start with that was quite gosh that was quite feels like forever ago that was definitely pre-pandemic um and then we thought actually we'd like to see um 
some of the benefits um, across our own team members. Why wouldn't we? So the Safer City programme was where we kind of started with the first rollout um, and saw a significant reduction in incidents. And actually, what we were hearing from the colleagues was it's not just about the fact I've had to switch it on. Most of the time, I don't even need to switch it on because they see it and that's enough of a deterrent. And that was really quite powerful for us. And that advocacy of our colleagues within the Birmingham conurbation that were, were all like, this has been a game changer for us. Those voices that they brought to the table were huge, particularly with our pharmacist population. So as a professional, you know, it was really important for the pharmacy team to know that we weren't compromising confidentiality. Yeah. Um, so that patient pharmacist conversation is really important that it is confidential. Um, so we've done lots of work around that and that reassurance, but the violent incidents continue to turn down for us. So that's all it was ever about was around violent incident reduction. So it's had a big effect. I think the job of work we've got ahead of us with Body Warm will be how do we maintain where we're at? We don't just settle for what we've got today. How do we kind of re-engage and make sure um, that it doesn't just become like your radio and you leave it on the shelf and you forget about it sometimes? Um, what we've also found is when you start layering the solutions in your higher risk locations, so your body worn cameras, your headsets, your CCTV connectivity with the audio broadcast, that's been really critical for some of our stores. And actually, it's changed down a lot of the colleagues feel about coming into stores. So, so yeah, re engage is where we're at, but we're still seeing really good benefits from it, without a doubt. And, and a downward trend as well. I mean, yeah, that's you know, considering what most retailers are or just about every retailer is seeing in terms of an upward trend. Then, yeah, yeah. definitely impressive results. And then you touched on there, you know, the control center. I mean, yes. yeah, you fortunately gave me a, a tour of that. I mean, I have to say one of the most uh, impressive facilities. Um, how did that come about? And then maybe paint a picture for those who haven't been fortunate enough to step through the door. Um, so it came about um, with one of my colleagues, um, prior to me even being um, part of the team, they'd gone over to Chicago to our head office um, and saw their security operations centre and thought, oh, that's a bit interesting, we could do some of that, um, and brought the idea back to the UK. And at that point, um, we had a small amount of um, panic alarm situations where they were being managed by a third party through Starbucks telephony type system which interestingly some places still have even though it's quite old tech um, but it was working and the view was could we do some of that through the VMS um, and then build that around what we're doing from a monitoring so that kind of where we started um, with a little four desk operation two people on shift at any one time um, to what we have now we've expanded the operation to 12 desks um, possibly going to be able to extend it to more should we need to, and I wouldn't be surprised if we do in the future, um, with more than 1,200 shops connected now, so more connectivity. If you go back to when we first opened, we had about 250-odd shops, um, and they're all connected by the panic alarm system. And what does that mean? That means any colleague can press this hardwired panic alarm install. It's connected with a microphone, a speaker, and a camera. That presents itself directly into the monitoring centre. Um, and we can go as simple as you in a red jumper, please leave the store. What you tend to find, because sometimes you won't be clear on, is it a live, is there something kicking off? 
um what we tend to do is something a little bit more congenial we don't want to disrupt the customer environment it can be quite loud and booming when it comes over in the store and you're not expecting it but it massively helps disrupt incidents of crime um definitely help de-escalate lots of types of incidents um and our biggest focus over the last 12 months has been how do we strip out the bits that are wasted contacts and make make ourselves more efficient we've improved the average speed of answer um by more than 70 percent so we're getting to the alarms quicker and faster still never fast enough is it because you're not literally sitting in the store at the same time um but that real focused discipline has enabled us to get more stores connected um and a better level of care for the colleagues and stuff for every type of business the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere anytime 3x logic it's got to be reassuring you know as a boots employee you know that you're thought of enough that there's a body-worn camera there's a control center there's the you know the big booming voice comes over the top there's a program about keeping yourself safe i mean that is a long way forward from you know what somebody might have experienced probably even 10 years ago in those kind of challenging environments so I mean, you're definitely leading the way, aren't you, in terms of what's going on? So, yeah, big step forward. There's still more we can learn, Paul. Um, that's why I still keep talking with the other retailers because there's definitely more that we can do in this space. Because even one colleague being verbally abused or being assaulted at work, too many. Um, you know, so we'll carry on. Um, more better days for more colleagues. There you go. Now, um, I want to move on the diversity and inclusion. Uh, piece agenda, if you like. Now, I remember back to Retail Risk Leicester, uh, that would be last year, and we had the biggest attendance of any session during the day when you took to the stage uh, with a few of the luminaries to talk about diversity and inclusion and why it's important. Uh, and, and, you know, there's not many arguments as to why you shouldn't do it, but it's still not being done as much as it should be within many organisations. But firstly, talk to me about the work that Boots are doing to improve its diversity and inclusion activities? So for us, it's all about everybody's equal. You know, we've got, um, we have to be representative of the community that we're looking after to be relevant. So for customers to want to come to us, they need to see us in them and what they do. Um, and I, that's something I think we do really, really well. We've got um, a number of business resource groups or BRGs as we call them across the business that represent almost different streams of diversity types um, to make sure that of, are we keeping ourselves honest and are we really kind of thinking about every colleague type because if we're thinking about every colleague we'll then be thinking about every customer so it kind of brings it all back to the basics um, and one of the groups that I'm involved in which is the Pride BRG um, specifically around LGBTQ um, kind of that whole conversation and that dialogue and they do everything from um really thinking about how do we support pride events in the community how do we kind of bring conversations into the company about what's happening out there what's new how can we learn from things that are changing um and also it gives us an opportunity for me it gives me access to people who could be impacted by policy change so if i look at as an example um search policy now as much as our searches are non-physical, I want my searches to not compromise anybody either way. 
So we've been talking about how do we make it more gender inclusive? How do I make it more culturally diverse? To recognise that individuals in your community don't all dress the same. So when we do a search video, we recognise all of that and kind of pull everything together. So that's our job of work, really. Um, and I, I think that really ripples through in terms of the PPC in store, because if you're using language at a head office level, that a colleague then on the shop floor didn't recognise or can't engage with for whatever reason, um, be it that it didn't represent who they are and their heritage and what's important to them, then they're never going to engage and deliver it brilliantly for you at store level. Um, and it's one of the things I've been really proud of, actually, is how we take the learning from the BRGs and implement them into the business. And um, one of the newer groups um, is actually Valor um, BRG, which is for ex-forces colleagues to be able to come together and talk about them that. Um, the, you know, the women BRG have done loads of work across the organisation and actually now um, as an organisation, we if you are receiving menopause treatment, HRT, you don't have to pay for them if you get your prescription from Booth, if you're a store colleague. So we've really started to think about accessibility and helping everybody be their whole self. And if they're the whole self that way, you, you know, we get more delight from them and they're able to delight customers even more. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I get the impression that the message coming down is, you know, it's the right thing to do. You're representative of the customers, but it sounds like it's actually commercially a really strong thing to do as well. So, yeah, does does the business, do you think, see a benefit on the trading results, on staff retention in the till? Does it, does it cascade all the way through? I think it does because... As a customer, if I if I see an organisation that um, doesn't represent me or compromises what I feel is important to me as an individual, I'm not going to shop there. I'm quite black and white about some of the places um, where I will and won't shop. And actually, if you look at those that are coming behind us, look at you know my two daughters are 21 and 23. If you, you look at their generation, they don't put up with any nonsense. I'm going to not swear, Paul, but they're very direct in what they want and how they want it and when they want it. Um, we can't miss on those individuals for two reasons. One is talent for the future. So we want people to come and work for Booth. So how do we keep that talent pipeline? But also we want them to shop with us. Um, and actually one of my favourite number seven consultants is a guy called Brendan. A little shout out for him there at Thurmiston Retail Park and convinced me to buy this red lipstick that I would never have bought for, but he absolutely convinced me to buy it and wear it, and I love it, feel like a bad bee when I'm wearing it. Mm. But, it, you know, it's about unlocking everything for everybody. It's, it's an important part of the community side of what, what we want to be. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, I guess for those retailers that maybe aren't going down this route and aren't looking at their diversity in the workforce and aren't supporting, you know, what do you think can be done to sort of move them along in the right way? You know, there's, you beat them with the stick of legislation. Do you think it's, you know, more people like Boots and, and other organisations talking about the benefit? What do you think is an industry we can do to, to get everybody moving along this path? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So the opportunity to do the um, panel that we did at Retail with Gloucester, introduced me to Ali Hannon and Ali is a phenomenal human um the way that they talk about diversity and um you know it's, you've got to remember for some individuals certainly dinosaurs like myself it's 45 years plus of language that we've learned that some of us are trying to relearn and it's okay to start learning and it's okay to make mistakes and Ali has been really really good at certainly teaching me that 
Um, I think if we don't do it, we will get to a point as an industry where we have no talent pipeline. Nothing new will come along. We won't see any real improvement in the future because we've become stale. Um, and I think the really other important thing is it's all well and good being a diverse community, but if you're not inclusive, you're not going to retain people. That that inclusivity is probably the most important part where organisations are not probably clicking. That they're going right. I've got a good mix of people. They've ticked a box, and it will never be anything more than tick a box. And they won't retain those people, and they won't grow that market for them. So it's really important to come along. One thing Ali really did teach me very well was I'm quite good at being vocal with people and calling people out. Ali talked a lot about calling people in because actually if you bring people in on a conversation on a one-to-one, you know, maybe they're frightened of the change of language or they don't want to get it wrong so they don't engage. Um, and certainly some of the conversations I've been having with some really big characters in, in the industry they're definitely people that have been called in and they're growing and they're learning. And um, I'm kind of excited by some of the changes that people are willing to bring to the party now. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I was buoyed by, you know, the amount of people and you are certainly not a dinosaur, but the actual dinosaurs of the industry were in the room listening to you and to Ali and uh, and V. Uh, and it was all, you know, positive. There, there does seem to be a genuine desire to do the right thing because there's commercial benefits and it's the right thing to do, you know, it does feel as if there's a little bit of momentum starting to build and, uh, you know, fingers crossed we can keep it going. I think with people like you driving it, there's every every reason that it will. Let's hope, because actually, you know, in the recent news, there's been murders of young trans individuals that tells us how much further as a society we've still got to go. And I will say this now, when people say to me, why don't we have a straight people's pride? You've only got to look at that murder. That young individual was murdered because of their identification and their gender identity by teenagers. We've got a whole thing to do. We owe it to ourselves and also to our children and their children to make sure we get it right and at least test the conversation if we do nothing different. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. So within the boots DNI piece. What's 2023? What what's on the radar for the next 12 months? What what because you're bound to be doing something new in this space because you're always doing something new. <laughs> um new we don't... Is your middle name. In fact, we should have changed it to I own a new Blake on the uh on, on the on the title there. Um it's getting the conversation going, it's making sure that we um, we move it past the tick box. You know, we talk about it um, as a regular conversation piece. You know, how do we celebrate all of the cultural events? So it's not just, um, you know, it's not just talking about Christmas, it's also talking about and recognising all of the other cultural celebrations. And, it, you know, we've got a guy called Chris who works as part of our wider function who will share every Monday, right, these are the cultural activities and, you know, this is an important thing. And if you see it in the community, make sure you recognise it. So there's loads of that going on. And I'm learning loads from Chris. It's really, he's a really good guy. Um, in terms of other stuff that we're doing, it will be all about how do we embed true inclusivity in terms of what we do. So in terms of our product offering, in terms of our policies and how we talk, you know, and how do we kind of give dignity to everybody as part of our wider dignity policies and making sure that it becomes natural and it's not, you're not then talking about it as a thing, because it's part of your culture. Yeah. I, I love that dignity to everybody. That's 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 the that's the mantra, isn't it? That's that's really what we're striving for here, is is to reflect that. 
So look, start of 2023, what does the rest of the year look like for you personally? What are you going to be doing? What's what's what projects have you got? So this might sound a little bit dull because I'm not looking at new tech this year. Because what I want is my tech to become embodied and really maximise what we're doing. This is the year of people and community for me. Um, so we're just about to go live with a um, new customer care module. So we have our the Boots UK award-winning customer care package is called Hub. Um, won a number of um, awards from the Institute of Customer Service and all of that kind of thing. We're getting our own security version called Hub Protect, which is all about the power of hello, which we all know in this industry is probably the biggest tool that all of us have got in our kit bag. So excited about that. We've got a brand new e-learning going live around violence de-escalation um, and really helping people. We've got a new comms campaign um, around internal theft and communication across the whole piece. And my big focus this year is going to be how do I maximise the opportunity and the investment in the bids and the BCRPs. Um, so I've had some brilliant conversations and continue to have them around that real community. How do, how do we tap into it in a way where that local intelligence within the local community helps drive out that local prolific offender? So it's all around people and partnerships for me this year, Paul. It's exciting, though. I've got lots to do. There's always lots. Every time I talk to you, you your to-do <laughs> list is like somebody else's three-year to-do list. And you're like, no, 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 I'll have that done by June. Oh, well, we've also got the protect duty coming up as well, Paul. Let's not forget about that. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot coming up this year. It's very exciting. So, look, Ian, it's always an absolute pleasure. You genuinely do uh, drive the industry forward. You're always uh, super exciting to be around. Uh, keep up the good work. Keep uh, keep embarrassing everybody else with their lack of activity uh, and guilting them into doing what is ultimately the right thing. But for now, absolute pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you again in person very soon. Thank you, Paul.